In episode 33, I talked about money and financial abuse and healing a relationship with money after growing up evangelical and financially abused. And I guess we're going to call this part two. I don't know. Uh, We're going to talk about money again today. And I'm going to get really uncomfortable with it because in our society money is one of those taboo topics you're not supposed to talk about you're not supposed to talk about how much you make you're not supposed to talk about your financial struggles etc etc and we're gonna just blast through all of that and talk about everything we're not supposed to talk about and I'm going to get really uncomfortably vulnerable because I think that the reason so many people have so many problems and feel so alone is because nobody talks about this and if I'm not going to change that then it's not going to change and that's not saying that I'm the only one that can but it's one of those be the change you wish to see in the world things if not me then who And so today I'm going to talk about the fact that I'm feeling stupid again. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Naomi and this is Mosaic in Progress. So for those of you who are new or who may not have listened to episode 33 or who just might need a refresher, just to recap, I was raised in an evangelical home that was extremely financially abusive in the sense that I was discouraged from taking ownership of my finances while also being shamed for not taking ownership of my finances. Um, My dad frequently would tell me and my sisters as well, it wasn't just exclusive to me, that he would always take care of us, he would always make sure we were provided for, give us everything we need, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then whenever he had to pay bills, um, or if he was paying for the car insurance for the car that he insisted that we have, Um, and said that he would pay the insurance for or cell phone bills that he insisted we have and insisted on keeping on a family plan and refused to accept money for these things. Um, He would just guilt us, you know, he'd throw it in our face. Oh, I'm paying these bills again. You're so expensive. Daughters are expensive. And it was just this constant, like, cycle of, I'm going to take care of you because I love you, and, oh, you're expensive. And he would do the latter part like he was joking, but you could tell he really felt it and he really meant it, that he just was resentful of paying these bills, but he also did not want to relinquish control of them, and he would get angry if you tried to get off his family plan or um, whatever and take ownership of your car insurance or your cell phone plan or anything like that. Even after I was moved out when I got on my own cell phone plan, I'd been moved out for years and he was so angry that I got off of his cell phone plan. I was living in a, not just a different house, I was living in a different state And he was angry that I took ownership of my own cell phone plan. 
When I was a teenager, I begged my parents to teach me how to budget because my ADHD brain did not understand it. And this, I am really good at math. I am better at math than most people that I know, including some really smart people. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to give perspective. I can do math really well. I can do complex math really well. I took statistics in college for fun. I am really bad at functional math. And what I mean by that is I can do the equations. I cannot apply it to life. I could sit down and calculate up my expenses and subtract it from the income and make it all line up perfectly, but I cannot apply that to my life. And I'm going to pause there because the language that I'm using is very limiting and I am trying to change that. I have so far been unsuccessful at applying the excellent math skills that I have to my life. Let's rephrase that. Let's reframe it. Uh, which is what this episode is about. Reframing things and healing from the financial abuse that you may have been through. Or just your own bad relationship with money. Whatever reason there may be for it. It doesn't have to be as traumatic as mine. Because when I think about spending money on things that give me pleasure, my mind goes back immediately to a little red stuffed dog that was in the CVS. And she was like a little poodle type dog, I guess. She had really floppy ears and like curly fur and she was red and she had a black nose. And she looked... Just like my mom's stuffed dog that she had that my dad had got her for Valentine's Day. He always got her a stuffed animal for Valentine's Day. Except that she was inverse. Hers was black with a red nose. And I just fell in love with her immediately. And this is like my early, like, my early signs of being an animist before I knew what an animist was. That I would just see these stuffed animals and I would just feel so guilty. Like I would develop a connection with them and I'd feel so guilty for leaving them behind. Well, I had my allowance money and um, we were going in to get like a prescription or something. And I asked my dad if I could get it. And he's like, do you have money? And I was like, yes. So I bought the little dog with my money and I was really happy over it. And I was like snuggling her on the way out to the car and we get in the car. And I, again, I'm like, I don't know, nine years old. I might have been 11 tops. I'm thinking I was more like nine because by the time I was 11, I kind of lost interest in stuffed animals. But we get out to the car and I'm like snuggling this dog. I'm so happy to bring her home. And... We get in the car and he's like, just so you know, this is why you never have money for things. Because you're always buying it on little things. And not thinking about it. Again, I was a child. Like, I didn't have bills. I didn't have, like, long-term goals at this point. There was never any discussion of, okay, well, we're going to take a vacation in nine months, you know. 
If you want to start saving up your allowance for that, you can, or, you know, you cannot. But, you know, if you want extra things, it's up to you to save it. Like, there was no teaching of any kind of money management or planning ahead or anything like that. But I vividly remember the shame. And he shamed me so strongly for it. Like, you could feel his anger in the car. Like, he was so mad at me for buying this little stuffed dog with my money. And I remember just, like, feeling like I wish I hadn't got it because he's so mad at me. To the point that I never really played with that dog after that because every time I looked at her, I felt guilty for buying her and I didn't, I didn't feel like I could enjoy her because I felt like if I brought her out and played with her around him, that he would remind me how irresponsible I was. And so this little dog that I just like fell in love with and named Scarlet, I still, I'm, I think I still have her in my storage unit somewhere. Um, but she never got enjoyed. She never got appreciated. She never got loved because, because she was immediately greeted and brought into my life with shame. And I think, even if I don't like consciously remember that, like that feeling comes up every time I'm like, I think I would like, uh, to buy myself this plant uh that's like three dollars here at the checkout aisle at the Aldi or whatever like that shame comes up every single time or if I miscalculate things I'm like I have plenty of money I will be fine until the next payday I'm coasting I'm golden here's this you know set of pipes on eBay it's pretty inexpensive. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. It's less than $50. There's three pipes in the lot. And then I realized I forgot about like three things that were automatic payments that got deducted. And suddenly I have no money until payday. And it's like over a week until payday. And I beat myself up mentally. I am just the worst. Um, I am so mean to myself in my head. So mean. Like, I take everything that my abusers put on me and any of my bullies and just, like, amplify it. I'm like, alright, I know how to be mean to myself. Let's do it really good this time. And the situation happened again this morning. Um, because, well, let's face it, I have ADHD. I have a lot of shame around money and money problems and that has held me back from growing and healing and learning in that regard and so I had a problem again and I just jumped right back on that hamster wheel of let's beat, let's beat Naomi up. Naomi's an idiot. Naomi's bad with money and I was just sitting there trying to do my morning meditation and journaling and just racked with fear and anxiety and shame and just the sick feeling in my stomach and 
just wanting to do everything to hurt myself, to shame myself, and feeling like the worst imposter. Like I have this podcast where I tell people how to heal and I already did a money episode. Why am I not better now? And I was just being really mean to myself. And something just came in, I guess, like, my higher self voice or whatever. And it was just like, is this working for you? And I was like, well, no. Has this ever worked for you? No. So I wrote down the expenses that I need to meet and totaled them up. And then below that, I wrote the expenses that I recently Things that I recently bought that I was feeling guilty for and going, well, if I hadn't done this, then I could afford this. And they didn't total up to the same amount. They were close, to be perfectly honest. But the things that I was feeling guilty for did not equal the same amount as the expenses that I have that I need to meet that cost. And so I was like, okay, well... Even if I hadn't bought these things, I still wouldn't have the money that I need. Okay. So, alright, what now? And I just, I wrote it on a piece of paper and I just sat with it for a minute. Alright, let's total it up. Let's see, could I really have afforded all this if I hadn't bought these other things? No. I would still be short. Okay. Well, is there any of this that I could have put off? Because some of the things that I bought that I was shaming myself and feeling guilty for were limited edition things that had a time-constrained buying window. And even though I hadn't planned for it, I anticipated it. And... If I hadn't bought them when I did, I would have missed out. I'm like, all right, how do we feel about that? Are we okay with, would we have been okay with missing out? Or are we good with that we bought it and now we're a little short for these other things? I sat with it and I was like, yeah, I am. Okay, well, where else did my money go? And I sat with it and I thought, okay, well, what else have I bought recently that maybe wasn't necessary? And I went through some things. I'm like, okay, that could have waited. I bought wine um, because I thought my friends were coming over to help me clean. And then they didn't end up coming over. So I have wine that I don't drink that I bought for them that's just like sitting in my house now. I'm like, okay, you kind of anticipated that they were going to drop the ball. You knew that. Like, you didn't want to admit it, but internally you knew they were going to let you down. And no hate to them, and I don't think either of them listen to this podcast, but if you are, nothing but love. Um, But I knew in my head, I didn't want to admit it, but I knew they were going to let me down. They weren't going to show up. And I planned around them being here, even though I knew they probably wouldn't be. And so I spent a bunch of money on this wine. In the anticipation of giving something back to my friends because they were helping me. 
So instead, I one, didn't get the help that I needed, and two, spent money that I needed for other things. And that in and of itself has a lot of emotional weight. And I think it's important as you're healing your relationship with money to admit and allow it to be that some things have more emotional weight. If I had bought wine for myself, I'd have been like, you know, you you could have done without that. You have some other drinks in the house. You could have left that alone. But I didn't buy it for myself. I bought wine that I don't drink for my friends coming over and then my friends didn't come over. That hurts. That has a heaviness to it because it's not just I bought all this wine and I shouldn't have. It's I was trying to give something back to my friends for helping me. And not only did my friends not help me, I also have all this expense of wine and I'm not even going to use it. It's okay to let yourself feel the heaviness of things and then let it go. You can let it go once you allow yourself to feel it much better than if you try to suppress it and try to say that it's not a thing that is a problem for you when it is. And to take it further, those are related things. Those are related things. And this made so much more sense to me when I started studying chakras. And if you're not a person who believes in any kind of occult or esoteric or woo-woo stuff or whatever, just hang with me for a minute. I talked about this in one of my first episodes when I talked about the chakra system and the hierarchy of needs and the stages of development. Root chakra is money issues. Root chakra is safety. Root chakra is belonging. This is like the very first foundational stage of development, energy center, need. You need to be safe. You need to know you belong. Money issues are safety issues. Why? Because you need money to live. In our society, money means I can have a house. I can have a roof over my head. I can eat. I can get to my job. I can get to the store. I can get to my friends. If you do not have money or if you have money insecurity, you do not feel safe. If you do not feel safe, your root chakra is unbalanced. If you do not have a community, a support system, a feeling of belonging, you don't feel safe. Your root chakra is unbalanced. So if you ask your friends for help and either no one will help you, they all say no, or your friends tell you they'll help you and don't show up, it's a root chakra wound. Feeling like you have no one you can depend on is a root chakra wound. 
This is why you see people hermiting. They withdraw. They stay to themselves because they don't feel like they can count on anyone. Now, there are people who will self-sabotage with this and they will give unrealistic expectations or they will ask people for help at the last minute and then without, you know, giving anyone time to plan around it suddenly then, oh, well, it's, see, no one ever helps me. Everyone always has plans. People will self-sabotage in this way to confirm their bias and confirm their wound. And that's another issue to work through. But if you have these confirmations constantly, whether you're fabricating them or orchestrating them or they are organic, if you have these confirmations that you're not safe and you don't belong, you will continue to have problems in this area with feelings of safety and belonging with money issues and issues around your relationships with friends, family, your circle, tribe, whatever. Because it is very true that as you think you are, your thoughts create your reality. If you believe you are not safe and you keep telling yourself, whether you're consciously telling yourself this or unconsciously telling yourself this over and over again, I'm not safe, I'm not safe, I'm not safe, I'm not safe. Nobody likes me. Nobody helps me. I always have to do everything myself. I always have to structure my relationships. No one else shows up for me. No one else helps me. I I need this. I need this. I need this. This is a language shift that I've realized recently that I've never even thought of before. If you think I need this. What you're telling your brain is you don't have this. What you're telling your brain is that it's not yours. It's something that you are lacking. You are aligning with a mentality of lack when you say, I need. I need, I need, I need. It's telling your brain, I lack, I lack, I lack. I don't have. And not just, I don't have something I want. I don't have what I need. If you're needing it, you're saying you don't have something that is necessary and so as you think of these things it's important to be very conscious of how you think of the things that you do need because needs are needs whether you have them or not but to think of how you process how you're thinking about them and what message you're telling your brain is it I really need a new washing machine or is it I can plan for three months out and if I I don't I'm making stuff up right now if I cut out eating out twice a week then I can have enough for a down payment on a new washing machine in three months and sign up for the payment plan that the store has and have it paid off by the end of the year. The reason why this is important is because our brain processes everything that we think 
and internalizes it into our subconscious. And if we feed it a negative mentality, if we feed it a mentality of lack, then it will put that into your subconscious and it will manifest that into your reality. Whether you want it to or not, you have to be conscious of your thoughts and how you think about your life if you want it to be the life you create and not just what you've defaulted into unconsciously. And that was where I found myself this morning as I was freaking out over expenses and spending habits and still being in the same place. And I was just going, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. And I was freaking out. I was terrified. I was about to throw up. I was so anxious and upset. And then that higher self voice came in. It was like, is this actually working for you? Hon, take a chill pill. Is this like actually working for you? I was like, okay. So I wrote out the things that I mentioned. And then I journaled. And I'm going to read you what I journaled. Just, I don't think I've ever done that on the podcast before. I do some really good shadow work with journaling. That's kind of my go-to way to process things. I write. And I write much better than I speak. And getting it out and like literally getting it out of my system. It's on paper now. It's not inside of me. It's so freeing and it's, I process it so much better than I do in any other way. And it helps me to like look and see it and go, oh, there it is. There I can see that now. It's literally outside of me. It's not just something that I spoke out. It is literally outside of me. So here was my journal entry. I'm back here at the quote, I'm stupid with money, unquote, place and feeling like I'm going to be homeless or hungry or in big trouble and feeling like an idiot who can't ever get it together or be responsible. And what a horrible and useless mentality. Calling myself an idiot has never once helped me change my behavior. I bought the pipes and a hat because I miscalculated parenthetical thought. Yes, again, period. Automatic payments are great for me, not for getting, but awful for my budgeting in parenthetical thought. And thought I had plenty to spare. I also miscalculated how many bug bombs I bought. Parenthetical thought again. In my defense, the listing was misleading. End parenthetical thought. Could I have done without the Zippos and Cops? Sure. But they're limited edition and commemorative. And it will be something special my husband and I can share. I keep saying I'm bad at budgeting and bad at planning for the unexpected. Be it emergencies or limited time opportunities. I'm going to shift my language. I'm practicing being good with money. I'm working on my budgeting skills. I'm growing my knowledge about and healing my relationship with money.
and no one is going to yell at me or put me through hours of interrogation and lecture and guilt. I am safe. So after I journaled all that, I cried. And then I sat there for a little while and I said some positive affirmations to myself. And I've had these affirmations on my door for over a year now. And I don't say them every day. My intent was to say them every day. I'm going to read them to you. I'm looking at them right now. And maybe they'll be helpful for you. And maybe you'll use them more than I did. Money is energy. Energy is not moral. It does not matter how much or how little I spend as long as I do it with gratitude. The universe does not care if I buy a dress, have to ask for help, or have enough saved for 10 years. I am grateful in all things and gracious in all things. I am open as a channel of energetic flow. I neither hoard nor lack energy, including money energy. I release all shame around spending. I am allowed to use my money energy for pleasure. And I only said some of those out loud and I made up some of my own just kind of on the spot, which is a practice that I've only recently started doing, just like kind of feel into what I need to hear, what I feel like is missing, just like kind of take a minute and just like feel what you're feeling and where do you feel it on the inside and what does it feel like and what what does it feel like it needs to hear and then say that so I only I only said a few of those um but I started just saying these positive affirmations and I was just crying and crying and it was just like it wasn't like a sad cry it was a, it was a release it was very healing and then I I kind of paused and took a moment and I was just like yeah that that was what I needed I'm everything's gonna work out I just I don't know how but everything's gonna work out it's going to work out when it needs to. It's going to work out how it needs to. And I don't need to figure out how it's going to work out. And that's one of the things that is so difficult for me. Because I live in my head so much. And recently I, I started this... Um, this three-day workshop that Rewilding for Women offered. And if you don't follow Rewilding for Women on socials or YouTube or TikTok or whatever, uh, do. Actually, they may not be on TikTok. I don't know. I know they're on YouTube. 
But if you're not following them, you should be. Um, they are rewilding for women has been so instrumental in my own journey to accept and reclaim my feminine and heal the parts of me that for a long time I didn't even know needed healing and they offer so many free things like she does these embodied astrology videos um I think it's every new and full moon. I know it's usually at least on the new moon, but I think it's new and full moon or if there's a retrograde. And if you don't know what embodied astrology is, it's she takes her knowledge of astrology and then she just intuitively feels into whatever it is that needs to be said. And if you just got turned off by intuitively feels, well then please stay tuned because I have an upcoming episode that's talking about the validity of intuition and you're going to want to hear that because it's going to be fire. And honestly, I think I don't do this enough. Just kind of a side note tangent here. I don't think I recommend enough the things that have helped me. And this feels like a really good time to do that. I was recently thinking about some of the books I read that helped me so much in my early stages that I don't think I would enjoy or find as beneficial now. And I don't know if I would recommend them again to people but they were beneficial for me for where I was at at the time. For example, the book Boundaries. I read that while I was still going to church. And it was absolutely fucking life-changing for me. Everything about it created the me that I am today. The me who was able to walk away from my parents. To say, you don't get to have a relationship with me anymore because you don't love me and you are hurting me. It created the me that was able to move away and have a very limited relationship with my sisters because they were extremely judgmental and hurt me a lot. They treated me like, it doesn't matter. It was because of that book... I was able to create the boundaries that I needed to create for myself to honor and love and respect myself. But that book is just riddled with the Bible. It is a Christian perspective book. And I honestly didn't remember that part of it that much. I kind of a little bit did. I tried to get my husband to read it well I sent it to him on audiobook and he is he's not a Christian wasn't raised in the church and he's found it very difficult to get through because it's very preachy and I think about like Rachel Hollis's books the first two books that she wrote what is it girl wash your face and I don't remember what the second one was, but her first two books were life-changing for me. They gave me so much healing and so much perspective. And in Girl, Wash Your Face, she talks about how a therapist suggested to her 
to set aside time every day to think about the traumatic event that had just given her such bad PTSD. Like, give yourself time every day, set a timer, get five, ten minutes, whatever. Give yourself time to uh, think about it, and then it won't be an intrusive thought. And she was like, that's stupid, I'll do it though. Um, and because of that, I created a morning meditation practice and gave myself time every day to think about being raped. To think about what I had went through. And that changed my entire fucking life. And now I see, you know, she's done some pretty cringy things and fallen out of favor a lot with her fan base because, I mean, let's just be honest, there's a lot of white privilege type stuff and wealth privilege type stuff. And I don't know that I would read any more of her books now. I don't know that I would follow her in the way that I did in, when I was reading those books. But if I hadn't read those books, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I think it's okay sometimes to acknowledge that something helped you at the time and it got you through at the time and it was what you needed at the time, but it's not something that you want to carry forward into your present or your future. It's okay to have those things. I think sometimes we think something is good, bad, end of sentence. It can be what you needed at the time, but it's not good now. It's not it doesn't meet who you are now or who you want to be in the future. And that's okay. And there are people like that too. I've had relationships and friendships that no longer exist anymore, but they were exactly what I needed at the time to get me to who I am today. And I harbor no ill will. I have no regrets. Maybe I miss those people, but... If I really think about it, who they are now and who I am now would not be compatible. They would not be friends and we needed to part ways to grow apart. My best friend of 10 years and I would not get along now. And she ended the friendship and it broke my heart and I honestly still miss her a lot, but I wish her very well and... She got me through some of the worst times in my life. And honestly, if she had not ended the friendship, I would not have grown in the ways that I needed to grow. I would have stayed stuck because her ending the friendship forced me into a different mentality. And it's okay to look back at things, say it was what I needed at the time. And that was a huge tangential thought. And I'm very aware it was, and it was intentional, because sometimes episodes are a single column, and sometimes they're a tree. And this one is a tree. But, circling back around, Rewilding for Women was a really good resource for me. There's also a group on Facebook called She Wolves. Um, highly recommend following that if you're on Facebook. Um... The books by Aiden Watcher, those came much later in my journey and once I was already 
fully accepting being a witch, but if you're kind of new to practicing and you want like a step-by-step instruction on how to practice magic and occultism, Aiden Watcher's books, he's got three books, they're green, um, they're called Six Ways is the first one, second one is Weaving Fate, and the third one is Changeling. You can get them all on Amazon. They're very easily digestible books, very short chapters, very practical approaches to magical practice. If you're interested in that, highly recommend those three books. Um, if you're just interested in kind of challenging your evangelical mentality or even if you aren't evangelical if you want to get into a more kind of spiritually focused without the religious focus just spiritual healing and consciousness rewilding for women I've already mentioned um House of Herbie uh I've really gotten into lately um Queen Herbie is a rapper she used to be half of the band Carmen and if you uh if you listen to the podcast House of Herbie her husband who was in Carmen with her uh does a podcast with her it's very much about like consciousness and creation and just kind of like getting over your shit to live into your purpose it's very empowering like even if I'm not paying attention that much to the words even if I just kind of got it playing in the background it makes me feel like I can do anything and I love things that put me in that headspace that like anything is possible I can do anything and it's a really good one for that which honestly Rachel Hollis's books did that for me which is why they were so helpful for me at the time um there's a book by, um, I'm so sorry, I cannot remember the second author, but Megan Watterson, and she collaborated with someone else, it's called How to Love Yourself and Sometimes Other People. That was one of the, like, biggest life-changing books for me, and also introduced me to Megan Watterson, who created the Divine Feminine Oracle, which is one of my most used oracle decks, and I'm reading another book from her, right now uh that's called mary magdalene revealed i recently read the gospel of mary magdalene and both of those books have been pretty transformative for me and eye-opening in a way of giving myself another viewpoint as far as Viewing spirituality from a place of love rather than a place of judgment, including Christian spirituality. One thing I have to say that was not helpful, though, and at the time I did think it was helpful, um, which is why I want to bring it up was Dave Ramsey. I started reading one of his books and I was listening to his 
podcast, the radio show turn podcast, whatever. Um, and I found it really inspiring and it put me in like a really positive headspace of like, I can do anything. But the reason I say it wasn't helpful is because none of Dave Ramsey's tips are realistic. And Dave Ramsey didn't even follow his own advice. He got help from other people and exploited other people. So getting like basically condescendingly talked down to about how you're irresponsible by someone who was also very irresponsible and not just irresponsible but exploitative and dishonest was not at all helpful for figuring out how to manage my finances and a lot of his stuff just isn't workable and doesn't make sense. He says, pay down your credit card debts, um, starting with the one that's the lowest amount to the highest amount, which doesn't take into account interest rates at all and isn't necessarily the smartest way to do that. Um, you have to do what works for you and you have to find the people and the mentors that help you. And getting back to the original topic, one of the things that has been most difficult for me to accept is that I don't have to get it right 100% of the time. If you grew up evangelical, you completely understand what I'm talking about. There's no room for error. And it's so ironic because a religion that's based on forgiveness and knowing that you're a fuck up and you can't do anything right on your own, that's why you need Jesus, leaves absolutely zero room for people to make mistakes, no matter how small those mistakes may be, that every tiny error is a grave mistake that needs judgment and lecturing and condescension and a call to repentance and needs to be, you know, prayed over and you have a whole lot of guilt about it. And it's just, you can't make mistakes within evangelical Christianity. It's not allowed. Even though the entire religion is built on the premise that you're going to make mistakes. I remember so many times uh, after high school when my dad insisted that I get a job so I could learn how to manage money, but like no guidance to go along with it, just go earn your own money and no responsibilities that I was, you know, in charge of paying to go along with that. Just go earn some money and figure out how to be responsible with it. Uh and then he would get angry about me not having money, even though I wasn't given things that I was responsible to pay for. And it just seemed like every few months or so, there was just like this big sit down in the living room lecture where I was just told how irresponsible I was and how awful I was, selfish and worldly and materialistic. Because I was just spending money on stuff that I didn't need. And there was like 
no guidance at any point to go along with this. Like, okay, well, you can start paying your car insurance now. Or at one point he told me, I'm going to keep it in my name, but you give me the money. And I'm like, okay, well, when do I give it to you? And every six months, because he had it on a six month pay plan. Okay. Well, me not having any experience with money, I'm like six months. Sure. I can cough it up then not thinking ahead or thinking about how I had to plan because I had no experience with it. And I was a kid, you know, I was stupid. I didn't know what I was doing. And then him getting mad that I didn't have it. Like, you were supposed to pay that to me at such and such a date. Well, you didn't tell me exactly when it was due. You never brought it up. I didn't know that I was two months behind. Yeah, I just have to pay for everything. And I've realized that I've carried that with me, that expectation that everyone will treat me like I've always been treated, which is just constant lecturing and guilt and shame and really emotional torture without an upfront listing of expectations. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so big now on communicating expectations with people and having those comments like, what do you expect of me? This is what I expect of you. Where are the boundaries in this? What are, you know, the rules? What are your expectations? Here are mine. What, making sure that we're on the same page and understanding each other because for most of my life I didn't get that all I got was the shame and the punishment for not meeting expectations that were never verbalized in the first place and a big part of healing my relationship with money is realizing that not everyone who I deal with is like my dad that I can call the creditors or the collection agencies or the doctor's offices that I'm very behind on the bills or whoever or whatever and just be like hey I got behind I'd like to catch up can I work out a plan with you and they're like sweet you're gonna give us money we hadn't been getting that from you that sounds like a great plan we would love your money and it's not like a huge lecture and I did have that reinforced a little bit when I first got out of my parents house it was about a year or so after that I had started going to college and, or finishing my bachelor's degree rather, I already had an associate's and I was sexually assaulted. I filed a report with the campus and because of that incident, I qualified for academic forgiveness because my depression and PTSD was so bad, I failed like all of my classes that semester. They were like, you qualify for academic forgiveness. They didn't explain it to me very well what exactly that meant. They were just like, yeah, this erases the grades from your transcript so it doesn't drop your GPA. I was like, that sounds great. Um, 
they didn't tell me that that meant my student loans were just like revoked and then I suddenly owed the college thousands of dollars <laughs> due like immediately um which of course that made my depression worse but the guy who was in charge of it um was actually someone I had worked with previously um in the hospital and he had been like a real creepy stalker kind of person like would follow me around the floor while I was trying to do my job it was very creepy and I moved to a different department and didn't have to deal with him anymore and I guess he had left and went to work with the university which I didn't know but he was calling and harassing me it really amounted to harassment and he would leave me these like threatening voicemails like I know you want to do the right thing I know you want to clear this up and give money you took these courses don't you want to do the right thing and pay the college back like it was so reminiscent of just like all of the bullying from my dad that I was terrified to call back because he was so mean and so aggressive so let's bring it back around. One of the hardest things to overcome when you have been in a financially abusive relationship of some kind is realizing that the rest of the world is not like your abuser. Not everyone is going to shame you and punish you and treat you like shit because you made a mistake with money. Making mistakes is part of being human. It's in the old adage, to err is human. That's what that means. It's in our nature to fuck up. To forgive divine. The other part of that saying. We have to forgive ourselves too. Not just other people. We have to forgive ourselves when we fuck up. That is our higher self. Showing love to the humanity that we embody. So if you're like me and fuck up with money a lot or anything. I mean trauma, especially childhood trauma, it fucks up your brain. It and literally changes the structure of your brain your brain doesn't develop in a normal and healthy and proper way and that makes everything hard it's just like if you have a physical deformity in childhood or something that doesn't grow right or like if you get an injury that uh that damages your epiphyseal plate and your bone doesn't grow longer that hurts you for the rest of your life then you have to deal with that for the rest of your life that stunting of your growth that developmental flaw if you will and you have to learn how to adapt to it you have to learn how to overcome in some ways or compensate in some ways and that's okay and not that it's okay what happened to you not that you can just brush it aside and be like, eh, it's fine it's okay that you're not where other people are who didn't go through what you went through 
You're not a robot. You don't have to be okay in spite of everything that happened to you. It's okay that you're struggling. It'd be really weird if you weren't. And honestly, struggling means that you are allowing yourself to heal. That you're not in just fight or flight mode constantly with nothing but anxiety keeping you going forward. So give yourself some grace. Forgive yourself. Show yourself the love and compassion that you would show to a friend who you cared about, who was struggling in the way that you're struggling. Change how you're talking to yourself. Even if you have to say it out loud or write it down, whatever works for you to change that voice in your head that tells you you're stupid. Change the narrative. Because going through trauma doesn't have to be the story of the rest of your life. You get to choose whether that story continues or it was just a chapter. Or maybe a few chapters. But you get to decide if it goes through the rest of your book. And find the thing that puts you in a better headspace. Find the thing that puts you in that positive mentality and that good vibration to where you feel like you can do anything. There are so many resources out there with the internet so widely available, especially on YouTube. You know, there's videos of everything on YouTube and so many educational topics and you can learn anything on the internet. You just have to look. So find the thing that helps you become the you that you want to be. And please join me next week on the podcast as we both continue to work on our mosaic in progress. As always, please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts. Please share the episodes, rate, review, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We're on all the platforms. And I will see you all next week. Have a wonderful week.